listeners. Welcome to another episode of Beckett's Babies. We're your hosts, Sam Collier and Sarah Cho. And this is it. This is the final episode of the season. Don't cry. Everyone's <laughs> crying right now. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, like all good shows takes a little break and so we're gonna take a little break but we want to just talk about the season our um favorite episodes favorite guests the highlights all the good stuff and and just sort of reflect on this year as the year comes to an end and what we learned how you feeling sam I'm, to be honest, I'm feeling amazed. I never thought that we would make it to December when we started this up again in January. I really did not imagine that it would, that we would be able to keep going every week for the whole year. So So crazy. um, So crazy. Yeah. And also it kind of became so much um, bigger and more exciting than I would have thought possible. I mean, we've interviewed people that we haven't actually met in person Mm -hmm. and that is kind of blowing my mind. Um, what about you, Sarah? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm, (laughs) I, I constantly go back to Beckett's babies 1.0 when we tried to (laughs) attempt this, uh, when we were grad students and just, how little did we know the potential or like how little did we know about the possibilities or like how to execute it? It's like, I kind of had to, we all had to grow up a little. (laughs) We had to be, we were a lot younger (laughs) back then. Uh, This was like pre um, danger zone. That's right. I think I was 26 Mm. and or 20, 25 or 26. And you were like 23. Wow. And look at us in our 30s. <laughs> oh, we said our age. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, so when you think back about this season, were there any highlights or things that really yeah. <laughs> made you feel good about yourself? Um, first of all, every episode, every interview – Um, with our guests I always left feeling like just inspired um motivated and just kind of adding a little bit of this prism to this like my view of the theater just like talking to all these all these people and how they first was introduced theater like everyone everyone's story Mm -hmm. is so different and how they first got introduced to theater but you know what's so funny I'm starting to notice the one common thing that I've been hearing it was this they all thought theater was was dead like it was also like something you read yeah it was all written by old straight white men and there's nothing new after this like they it was this yeah and then, then discovering that oh wait there's actually a life there's a life after this or there's this life after um Sam Shepard, or just people who have continued this craft, this tradition. And that there are still people writing plays. I think that that's so true. A lot of our guests have talked about how when they were kids, they didn't realize there were still people right. writing plays. 
Yeah. So that was such an interesting thing to learn about from a lot of these stories. The So a couple of, I think my favorites are a few. They're all my favorites. Um, I want to say Chris Leva who was on the show. He he was one of our mm-hmm. first guests that like reached out to us, discovered. He was also a fellow uh, Iowa Playwrights alum from way before mm-hmm. us. <laughs> and then so it was, that was a kind I was just like, oh, wow. <laughs> like this, um, we are part of a kind of a long standing tradition of this program that has brought all these writers in. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm, without this podcast, I would never have met Chris through Beckett's Babies. So, and he talked about uh, writing for um, young adults. Yeah, that was such a cool experience to have somebody (laughs) contact us and say, let's do an episode on TYA. Um, Yeah, and I also thought, so thinking back earlier in the season, because some of our newer listeners might not have heard some of these early mm-hmm. interviews. Um, a couple of ones that I thought were really great early on were um, the interview with Allison Ruth, who's a dramaturg um, and director based in Minneapolis. That I think still is one of our most listened to episodes with good reason, because she's very funny and very smart. And so if you haven't heard it, listeners, I encourage you to check that out. Micah? Yeah, Micah Ariel James. Yep. Uh, another fellow playwright. playwright. Another Iowa playwright mm-hmm. who's actually still in <laughs> Iowa. Um, or I guess yeah. I guess it's better to say back in yeah, Iowa. Yeah, she's back in Iowa. Because she left and then she actually mm-hmm. returned. Um, she that fun that episode stood out to me in terms of how she approached writing her plays something about the page numbers <laughs> like she it's like she created right, like games right. she said she would set herself a uh-huh. goal yeah i'm gonna write a nine page scene and then i'm gonna write a five yeah. page scene and then I'm gonna and write I, thought that was, seven and then I just thought that was so funny um of i don't say like but it felt like you're oh you're tricking yourself to write <laughs> but sort of in that sense like playing yeah. a game with yourself so i thought that was funny and i thought her approach and then that's one of the things I liked listening to playwrights when when I learned that they have their own uh way of writing uh exercises they would give them to themselves and I'm like oh what are those exercises yeah I love Micah's brain the way she thinks about Mm -hmm. playwriting I think is really unique and yeah that was a good episode and then also um our interview with Jenny Page White who is the literary manager at Actors Theater of mm-hmm. Louisville. And she's a dramaturg. And um, I love the way she thinks about the collaboration process with playwrights as a dramaturg. Yeah. These are such great episodes. Listeners, if you haven't listened to any of these episodes, start now. <laughs> start today. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Go, Go back. back. Go back to the beginning because we're not going to be here for a few weeks and we know you're going to be really sad and lonely without <laughs> yeah. us. So in the meantime, you can go back and listen to some mm-hmm. older episodes. So Sam, I got a question for you. Okay, Sarah. Doing the show, interviewing all these guests um, over the span of what, 10 months 11 months. Um, has it changed the way you think about theater, uh, playwriting, 
Yeah, it really has. I mean, I think beyond just the first, the main thing, which is being inspired by all of these creators and writers every week, um, I've also come to realize even more than I used to that, you know, a play can be anything. And you don't have to wait until you, you know, have the right job or you're in the right school or you have a nice couch in your living room or whatever. <laughs> you don't have to have, wait until you have the perfect desk or you the next computer or you've reached a certain level of um, recognition. You just, you don't have to wait. You can start, I think maybe Nina said this, a play can be anything and you can, you don't have to listen to what other people tell you a play should be. You can just start here and start now. You can start today. You can start writing your next play in this moment. Um, and I think a lot of our guests have essentially said that, although in different ways, um, that that the real breakthrough for them has been the understanding that there's there's no moment in the future that's going to be better than the moment right now Ooh. to just sit down and start yeah. writing. And you don't have to have it all figured out in your mind before you start writing. You can just start with page one and mm-hmm. see what happens. What about you? Has it, has it changed the way you think about theater or playwriting? I think – if anything, um, for me, when I'm talking to when I was talking to all these guests, is that they're truly like this living testament that everyone's experience or um, how they live their life is so different. There's like not all one same way of doing this. Like they're just like they're all yeah. everyone's approach, everyone's journey is just so different that like that I was like, okay, instead of constantly comparing myself to like, okay, I'm not here or there right now and I'm here, I'm stuck here, I'm doing this, I'm not doing that, you know? It's just like, okay, I'm just kind right. of I'm on my own process. I'm figuring this out on my own. And how I view about theater is going to be different from other people maybe, but that's fine. Like that's okay because we we're all this like sharing this information together. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm I feel I don't, it's so funny because when we first started this, I was in this weird moment in my life. I was just like, what is this? Like, what am I doing? And I'm like, how do I go back into theater or yeah. whatever? I was just kind of this weird <clears throat> turmoil. And then by talking to people, um, doing this episode or doing the show just made me like, take this like crazy pressure off myself and be like, oh, it's everything's fine. <laughs> well, and I think also doing this show has really taught me something about, you know, as a writer, I'm constantly like telling myself to write and then I end up cleaning the kitchen or whatever, you know. <laughs> um, but but this, this is, has been such a great illustration of how if you do something every week, mm. then slowly you're going to build a body of work. And yeah, I, I think being accountable to each other and to our guests and to our listeners has really, um, you know, we can't just 
cancel on each other Mm -hmm. in the way that I often cancel on my own promises to devote time to writing Mm -hmm. or editing. And when you do something every week, it might feel small. Each episode might feel small on its own, Mm -hmm. but we now have (laughs) dozens of episodes (laughs) and and that's just a testament to to how you know showing up for your work over and over and over again and doing things in small increments and also finding a collaborator to be accountable to makes all the difference in the world. Nice. I'm that collaborator. You are. <laughs> um and all all across the board we have like over 3000 listens you know that's yeah i mean that's like one giant theater (laughs) like people like yeah um so i just thought that that was so cool when i see the numbers i'm like oh wow um people are actually tuning in people are actually reaching out to us and you know chiming in and how they're feeling about we're, we're all feeling the same feelings of like of what we think about theater so yeah so true. And it, it shows that, you know, people do really want to, um, I think, to make theater and to see theater and connect about theater. And um, you guys, theater is not dead. It's not dying. It's more valuable and alive than ever before. Yeah. Based on our own listens. <laughs> <laughs> That's my evidence. Sarah, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Oh boy, here we go. I know, I know, we didn't plan this, but I'm curious if you think about the last year, right? Because so, so it's the end of the year; it's the time when everyone's coming out with their top ten lists um, of the year, or even dare I say, of the decade. Um, when you think about the last year, was there a play that you saw or read that really made an impression on you? Ooh in this last year mm-hmm. I don't even know if I have one. <laughs> oh, I do have one yeah. do you want me to go first yeah you could go first well well I was just thinking about um in the summer I read describe the night by Rajiv Joseph oh except you know what I think I actually read that two summers ago oh I have, an, I have one I have one the Niceties by Eleanor Burgess. I saw this summer. Um, I just thought that was a brilliant play. I think I, that was one of my glistens earlier. But yeah. here's a cool story. I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast or not, but um, when I moved to Belfast, Maine, I had coffee with a friend of a friend who is a journalist here in Maine. And she... When she was in high school, her history teacher was Eleanor Burgess. Oh, (laughs) And she said something about how, you know, my history teacher from high school is now a playwright. And I said, what's her name? And it was Eleanor Burgess. And I I, I was just thinking, oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Um, And and I was thinking about how all the playwrights we know have had prior lives and people who knew them in those prior lives. Anyway, listeners, if you haven't seen or read The Niceties, I highly recommend it. So what about you, Sarah? I just remembered. Okay, so over the summer, 
I saw this Lucas Nath play called Dana H. Oh, I haven't seen that. Was it so it good? Was, it was. It, it's like so simple. Okay, so let me let me go. Let me back this up. So he took these interview transcriptions, right? Uh, mm-hmm. His mother. It's about his mom, yeah. right? Yeah. Who uh, was kidnapped by this patient of hers. Um, and she was basically living like as a hostage for weeks and or, or I don't know for Whoa. I think it was months. I, it was very it was like a long time. And so um it's just one person on stage. As an actor, she is lip kind of lip syncing to this transcription that's entire, 75 minutes. She is like you could hear the sound of the, like the beads of in the interview. Maybe she's like holding something and the actor is like doing that same thing to to get that sound to look like she's making that same sound that that the mom is making on the tapes. Uh, and the way it was edited, I think it must have been like hours and hours of tapes that he had cut down to create this story, beginning, middle, end of this whole thing. Uh, in 75 minutes, one actor all on this. So it was this, it wow. was, um, I, it, I was like, wait, this is so crazy. Like, this is still a play it's on the stage, but it's also <laughs> this documentary. Like it was all this. I love his yeah. work. I think he's such a brilliant writer. Where did you see it? Um, it was at the Kirk Douglas Theater um, in in Culver City, but it was part of Center Theater Group, which is like the LA mm-hmm. our regional theater. So, um, yeah, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, this is so like transformative. The way I'm thinking about theater because i also like one person shows in general like I, yeah um so this was like a different approach to that um so yeah that that one really stood out to me i thought it good was choice good. yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's reminding me of the um i saw at the humana festival this year lucas nate's play the thin place which um really just blew my mind every play i see of his I'm amazed at how he continues to reinvent the form and um, and surprise me in what can happen on stage. Lucas, if you're listening to this, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're one of our dream goal guests. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Yeah, that would be really cool. Um, to interview Lucas Nath. Who else are who else would you love to interview as a dream goal guest? Um a DGG. <laughs> DGG. <laughs> Hashtag DGG. Um Idris Goodwin. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I mm-hmm. To you privately, yeah. but I was just like, I follow him on social and I think he's like really funny and just like there was this video I saw that he did Sesame Street. <laughs> Like, yeah i don't know he just seems like a person that his career is just so huge i'm mean, like he goes way back to like i don't know so i was just curious like his life just to hear how he started and yeah who else hmm. yeah that would be great you know who i would love to interview well i just because i think she would be amazing guest tanya Saracho. 
And she's so funny. And she's also had such, like, her career has been so amazing over the last few years, too. Yeah, um, I would love to interview playwrights who, yeah, started as plays and just mm-hmm, going to screenwriting, screenwriting mm-hmm. TV writing, or just all the different mediums and just going on and going back and forth and being so fluid. Um, totally. Uh, yeah, that would be interesting. Listeners, we want to know if you have any dream goal guests to recommend to us. Who would you love to hear on Beckett's Babies? Yeah. Because um, you never know. Maybe it could happen. And also, listeners, what questions should we ask? Because I feel like because we do, we follow a template. <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> in I, case you couldn't tell, <laughs> you couldn't tell. Um, but it's like, what questions? What questions would you want? You want us to ask that kind of bring more insight to their life? You know, right? How they right. think about theater and writing and everything. DGG. <laughs> oh so great i'm gonna i'm gonna like say that everywhere i go dgg (laughs) all right yeah go ahead oh i was just gonna say before we move on to our glistens we have we want to do like a special shout out thanks to the sponsors of our season who uh were kind to offer some generosity to us so um allison ruth Thank you. She was one of our sponsors. Uh, and Tanuja Devi, both our guests, they were just like full supporting us and they were so nice. And yeah. Yes. Them. And we really appreciate it. Yeah. And if you out there in the world would like to sponsor an episode or the show, you can go to our website at Beckett'sBabies.com and click on support to learn more about how you can be one of those wonderful people. And keep us going for years to come. Years to come. <laughs> We're doing this all on our own. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. It's a labor of love. It truly is. Well, Sarah, it's that time to move on to Glistens. Oh my gosh. This means we're so close to the end of our season. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Mike, listen, is um, okay. This is an amazing story. I'm a little bit late to the party here, but um, I think this story broke uh, a month or two ago. But this woman in Chicago, her name is Shannon Downey. She was at an estate sale and she came across this unfinished quilt. Um, there was a map that was a blueprint of the, uh, or, it was a map of the United States and a blueprint blueprint for an unfinished quilt. And she realized that this 99-year-old woman named Rita had um, begun this project that she died having not finished, which was this quilt of the whole United States. And this woman, Shannon, she just has this impulse, this instinct where she has to finish, she finds this unfinished artwork and she has to finish it. She feels like this compulsion to finish it, but she knew it was going to take her years. And so she reached out on Instagram to all of her followers, thinking that she could have, you know, four or five people help her. And she got thousands of responses. And so she sent out these individual squares of the quilt, one square for each state. 
and um, people all over the U.S. Re- like received this package in the mail with the the map and the square of fabric or whatever. I don't know much about quilting, and and they each completed their own state and then mailed them back to her. So it's this kind of group project to complete this woman's artwork and I just think that's so beautiful it's called Rita's Quilt and um, you can find out more about it on Instagram by searching the hashtag Rita's Quilt isn't that so cool yeah that is really cool the how wow just getting like a little call out and getting all the people to be a thousand right and they're just donating their time and their supplies because they want to be part of something and pretty much every day I think to myself, I've got to get off social media. But then I see things like that. And how would I you have known? Yeah, I know. Maybe New York Times <laughs> eventually. <laughs> Sweet ass time writing about Public it. radio. Public radio. Um What's your glisten, Sarah? Hmm, now I was like, maybe I should have gone first because yours was so much more. Okay. <laughs> um, it's okay. not a contest. It's not a contest. I know. So I feel like this past year we were like talking about like theater versus Netflix or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and people, you know, I don't know if people get how I feel about Netflix or whatever. or so streaming. Um, but so twice this year at the Amundsen, they played two of my favorite one uh, a favorite actor, one man show performers. Um, yeah, first one was John Leguizamo. He did the uh, his the the uh, Latin history for morons, and then and Mike Birbiglia <laughs> just recently did his show called A New One, and both of them the tickets were exorbitant. Okay, but I would put mm-hmm. myself in the lotteries, and I was like, oh, sometimes I would win. And I'll be like, oh, but it was like still the timing is always off. Like I was like, well, it's like I can't do it tonight because those lotteries are like, can you make it today? And I'm like, you know, right. I need to leave a week notice if I could make it today. But and then you have only like 20 minutes to let them know, can you make it today? And I'm like, no. And obviously I won't go. Um, but both these shows were on Netflix. <laughs> um, and I and. For one month subscription, I was able to watch both of these. I know it's not the same seeing them live and performing, but I just want to hear them and I wanted to hear their story, like see it and just see them perform. Yeah. And something about Netflix though, like TV is like you get the nice, like you could, like especially Mike Birbiglia, who's a kind of a more of like a mild manner performer. He's kind of like, but to get those close up of his face, it's just like his. <laughs> And face and you're laughing so so i just want to say there are some benefits to <laughs> both of these shows uh when it came on netflix and i, I enjoyed both of them like a lot they're both amazing and so just want to say yeah there's there's some pros mm-hmm. To- There's some drawbacks to live theater, is what you're saying, <laughs> namely the price, price, the timing. Like it's, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I'm also in the, well, the movie theater the other day. Of, I watched Knives Out. Really, another great movie. Oh, you should stand. I think you would love Knives Out if you. 
I don't know. It looks kind of what? violent. It's not. It's not. It's it's very like Agatha Christie. Like I, it's okay. like a, it's a murder mystery thing, but it's not like that violent. It's not violent. Um, okay, maybe I'll watch I it. I was like sitting next to. I'm in the theater. I'm like sitting next to people, and they just kept talking throughout the entire movie, guessing who the murderer is. <laughs> <laughs> this is like uh, this is like being in a room full of people really annoys me but <laughs> I'm alone at home watching you know theater shows and just cuddling up in my blankie <laughs> just like having something so you, you need the best of both worlds where you can have a live performance that comes to your house mm-hmm. whenever you want and you're the only person, person seeing it seeing it correct okay and, yeah That'd be great. That'd be awesome. And yet is also only like $8. <laughs> yes. <sighs> All right. Well, stay tuned, listeners. We'll let you know if that model of theater comes out in the coming year. Yeah, in the coming year. All right. That was the end. Stick around, folks, because we have more in, in okay. January. January. We'll come back. We'll, we'll be back. Thanks for listening. We love you all. Not me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Bye.